LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And Mindy uh, Caligar. A very special. Do I get to say hello, hello, too? <laughs> yeah. You can. All right. Hello, it's hello. Been, it's been several hundred episodes. I don't... It was when... It was you, Barnabas, and I on some sort of episode. I don't know. And we were all just talking, and I just started saying hello, hello. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I used to it. scream, whoa! <laughs> oh, and Barnabas was my co-host. Yeah. But that was many moons ago. Yeah. So Mindy Caliguire is the founder of Soul Care. Uh, so Soul Care is a spiritual formation ministry that exists to increase soul health in the body of Christ. I met her in Oklahoma a few months back. Uh, Mindy... Myself, as well as Steve Gladen, we were doing talks at a, what was that? It was kind of like a groups conference, right? Yeah, it was for group leaders in the Tulsa area, mostly affiliated with the Baptist churches there. Yeah, yeah. So that was fun to to do. I mean, they, they only gave each of us like 10 or 15 minutes. So we were right? just like going. Really? S- yeah, yeah. And then we had a workshop time afterwards, but Man, on the stage. that's brutal though. It was fast. That's a lot of horsepower. On one stage. It was, it was really well organized. Use it. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. It was fun. Now, Mindy Calaguer, so as we met there and as we continued to talk and uh, continue to talk about ministry and life, I also found out that she serves as a uh, as one of the executives at Glue, so Executive Director of Spiritual Formation there. We'll talk a little bit more about what Glue is because they're doing some incredible stuff. And we also talked about how she used to serve at Willow, the Willow Creek Association with Jimmy Mayato, who's now the president of Compassion, who we also interviewed on the Five Leadership Questions podcast. And uh, we ended up talking about you, uh, not on the air, but we I, I brought up you and Jimmy only had great things to say. So it's great oh. to have you on with us, Mindy. Oh, thank you. It's an honor to be with you. Jimmy's one of my favorite people. Amazing. Awesome. Good, All right. So you're, you're in Colorado Springs, right? Uh, no, 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 no. He's down in Colorado Springs. Uh, I'm up in Boulder. Oh, Boulder. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The Bo- the Glue uh, has offices in the, for anybody who's familiar with it, the west end of Pearl Street in Boulder, which is just beautiful. We have these majestic views of the flat irons and it's just a fun college town. I really love living in Boulder. It's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, Mindy, I mean, you you were part of the reveal work uh, with Willow. And I mean, yep. you've just been in the spiritual formation side of ministry for so long. Why don't you give our audience, before we get into the questions, some background about, about what you do with Soul Care yeah. and also Glue and all the tech uh, stuff with that? Yeah, yeah. My um, my my journey professionally has been such a an interesting, curious study, I guess, in, uh, in how leaders can emerge from odd places. Uh, My husband and I had been church planting in Boston in the mid nineties, early nineties, and having done a a church planting internship at Willow Creek. And through that time, uh, you know, you heard some of my story, my soul health was definitely not on my radar theologically or practically. And so I had a pretty predictable, in hindsight, complete implosion of my own physical health. And it sent me on an unexpected journey to discover more about what does it mean to take care of my soul? Why does that even matter? What does that mean if I'm saved? You know, a lot of really um, basic kind of questions that turns out a lot of people have been thinking deep thoughts on for (laughs) millennia, thousands, Mm. hundreds of years. 
but I was uh, new to that conversation and new to that way of life. And over time, God just uh, continued to not only heal me, but bring me to environments where I could serve this bigger conversation among others and in particular among leaders. And so I ended up back at Willow Creek in the early 2000s and then uh, did things with soul care, everything from like developing a line of journals and, uh, you know, teaching people how to journal and, and those kinds of things, but then began teaching at some conferences and working with, uh, church leaders who really do care about discipleship. But as you probably know, it can so easily get lost along the way, uh, amidst their own soul on health. And then when real reveal came along around maybe 2005, six, um, I had been at Willow Creek on the staff when it first was done at the church and the findings were first, so to say revealed. Um, but then, um, when it came out as a resource and a book, I found it to be particularly useful in working with pastors and leaders who were considering, um, why, why should they care? I mean, it sounds a little crass to say that, but why should they care about spiritual formation? And some of the findings from Reveal, I thought very strongly helped support that intentionality and helped them uh, even feel stronger about the commitment to make to towards discipleship. So anyway, that translated eventually into the founder of Glue, who is Scott Beck, um, seeing and meeting Jimmy Mayato. And seeing the really important work that had been done on this massive assessment that had been now serving thousands of churches. And so he um, made uh, an investment that turned into a somewhat of an acquisition to where the intellectual property of Reveal and uh, many of us on the, on the staff of the WCA who had been working uh, alongside or directly with it uh, came over to get involved and <laughs> happily so in the vision that he has for glue, which is mm. uh, massive and exciting and, and fun. So I don't know if I'm directly answering your question, but that's how from church planting, I've been on a very exciting and uh, lovely journey to try to help leaders around the world. Uh, and then many, many individuals care for the soul. And then how how that can uh, manifest through today's technologies? How is it supported by that, but but never um, harmed by that? Is some of the really interesting work we get to do at Glue. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, for our listeners who are learning about you for the first time. Guys, Mindy is a firepower of a leader. I mean, there she's she's being incredibly humble in how she's explaining about soul care and glue and the work that she's done with Willow and all that. But I mean, you guys are in for a treat because Mindy is, I mean, this is a, a very special treat to have you on the podcast. So thanks for being with us. Daniel, you're too kind. Thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be with you guys. Awesome. Good, good. All right. So you have a breadth and depth of experience and you know, I love what you said about uh, leaders coming from, you know, disparate places where you might not think these two things add up. Uh, so one of the questions we always love to ask leaders is, who are you currently learning from? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and I'll, I'll answer uh, if I can from from sort of those two different sides. And I, I don't know, Daniel, if I talked about this in the session that we with, that I did, but I often contrast what I call the candle lighters and the jet fuel drinkers. <laughs> and uh, I, I can sometimes be a candle lighter I'm, and then sometimes a jet fuel drinker. And then oddly, I can somehow sometimes translate between them. Yeah. But uh, in the candle lighting category, some of the people I'm learning from right now, um, one is a guy named Dr. Jim Wilder, who had has had ties to Fuller and to uh, and his own work around the life work model. And interestingly, he calls himself a neurotheologian. And I have been diving into some of his books on leadership, some of his books. He often co-authors, so he's just one of the authors. Uh, but he has recently moved to Colorado and I've had a chance to spend some time with him. And he is just fascinating and delightful to talk to about sort of the brain and the inner working from a, a theological and Christian perspective of, for example, how do relationships actually play a key role in our brain in our transformation, fascinating topic, um, and that and many others. So he's he's one. Another on on the candle lighting side is I have a spiritual director out here who I've just loved getting to work with, um, Debbie, and she's been taking me on a on a journey that, uh, gosh, last summer involved something that I thought she had such a cool word around it called vocational discernment, and I just I loved mm -hmm. that because. My vocation, as you can hear, is, has had a lot of different dimensions to it. And so yeah. she's um, she's great. And on the jet fuel drinking side, um, and that, you know, I try to bring balance in all these worlds where I yeah. can. But truly, um, I am learning a ton from uh, Scott Beck, who is the CEO of Glue. Um, the man is a devoted, uh, you know, husband and father. He's been in a philanthropist, deeply involved in family life ministries and other really great organizations. Um, but he's an incredible strategic leader. He's quite well known for scaling things. Um, you know, he built Blockbuster Video before selling it to Viacom. He built Boston Market. He built Einstein Bagels. And those are just the consumer brands that you might know of. He, Wait, what? Yeah. He's been part of hundreds of other companies. I had no idea. Yeah. Stunned Venture Capital. He's he's just, he is, he is brilliant and also has this deep sort of centeredness to him where, you know, we'll be in the middle of a planning meeting and if, if appropriate, and it isn't always appropriate, but if appropriate, he'll be like, Hey, we just need to stop and pray right now. <laughs> God, what do you want us to do? And I just find that so refreshing, um, in his integration, uh, of the, of the, of the jet fuel drinking and the candle lighting, so to speak. But his, his thought leadership around organizational alignment and partnership, uh, how to, how to bring people to the table who get mutual benefit out of working together. Um, I mean, I could list a gazillion other things, but uh, he has, I, I learn from him uh, daily and, and he'll be quick to challenge my thinking when it's not right. Mm. <laughs> but um, it's a privilege to be at his, at his leadership table. And I, I am, I am almost daily praying that God would give me the grace to uh, fulfill why he's brought me here. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's a really in compelling vision that we're, we're part of. 
I love that. I love that. So I think most of our listeners probably get what you were talking about as you explained the differences in terms of who you're learning from. But but give us just a quick overview as to the difference between a candle lighter and a jet fuel. Or, you know, kind <laughs> of the middle of the I'm wondering it. how a flamethrower comes in here too. Yeah. I, I wrote a blog post about this like so long ago and it's in blog oblivion now. I don't even know where it is, but... <laughs> It just struck me that, um, well, I, I'll elaborate that. So the people that are the high capacity leaders, the hair on fire leaders, the people that are seemingly leaping tall buildings in a single bound, they seem to be drinking jet fuel for breakfast, right? It's like, what is even powering these people? They are on fire. They are, they are just, um, you know, have crazy capacities achieving great things under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. They, they depend on the Holy Spirit. They, but they run fast, they run hard. And, and I think they drink jet fuel for breakfast. <laughs> and at the other end of the spectrum, you have the candle lighters and they are the equally dialed into the Holy Spirit, but much more inclined I, I mean, equally, like they would ho- equally hold that in high regard as as the highest thing. But for them, it's much more about stillness and contemplation and um, and and the essence of yielding and surrender rather than driving and doing. Hmm. And um, I, I think actually that tension exists in a lot of us if we're alert to it. And there are gifts that each of those personas have to offer both to one another and then together to the, to the, uh, to the advancing of the kingdom, frankly. And so um, that, that's what I mean. I could probably keep talking about it, but does that, does that explain what I mean by the candle lighters and the jet fuel drinkers? Yeah. Yeah, completely. That's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So it gives you pause to consider what exactly would happen when all of that jet fuel gets near the candle lit. Oh my goodness, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> then you get the flame throwing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Get massive combustion. That's for sure. Yeah. So at the moment, then, uh, with your work with Soul Care and Glue and everything else that you do, uh, what would you say the main point of emphasis is right now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the work that I do with soul care, uh, I would say my emphasis, and I am working with a team there, is is twofold. One is I want to continue talking literally to anyone who will listen about the primacy, the deep importance of finding a way of life that keeps the health of your soul uh, at the forefront of your truest responsibilities. And so keeping that message out there is vitally important to me. And I, I, that is, you know, still part of the emphasis for me, but the secondary emphasis that has emerged over the last year in part through this vocational uh, discernment process is that I, I believe there's a growing number of highly qualified people who can journey significantly with leaders. They can be spiritual directors. Sometimes they're life coaches, but they have a very high get it factor about the pressures and demands of leadership and the inner workings of the soul. And I'm right now building a a way for those leaders who are in need of that personal companioning 
to get connected to qualified spiritual directors or coaches who can walk with them uh, depending on which way is needed. Um, and that's and that's a huge point of emphasis right now is that I, I think the solution to, in my view, the the terrible condition of the leaders' souls in almost every continent I've been in, every country I've been in, every church, every ministry I've been in, I wish I could say it were different, but it is a hot mess. Hmm. And leaders are leading courageously, fearlessly, and dying inside at the same time. And of all the things that God's invited us, challenged us to die to in the pursuit of living a, a life with him, I don't believe that an ever- diminishing inner life was one of the things we were supposed to, um, die to. So uh, anyway, I could go on and on about that, but that, um, the solution to that on a global scale has got to be inherently relational and then needs to be sort of at the scale of the problem. And the only way to do that is through a massive network of caregivers and, figuring out like this is happening. I mean, it's absolutely happening in many, many, many places, but not enough. And I want to try to help people who are ready to take a next step, have like an easy button they can push and find out who would be qualified to journey with them. So that's, yeah. that's the huge focus in, in my soul care world. Yeah. Um, so yeah. In a sense, if someone hits rock bottom, yeah, right they're, they get that and they begin to do some reflection and they, they realize the, some of the blind spots that they had missed. And, and, you know, they're a, a little bit, hopefully in that situation, more apt to getting help. But, but what would you say for the listeners, for our listeners listening in who may not feel like they're hitting rock bottom and may actually feel like they're fine. They're tired. Yeah. They're tired. Yeah, their spiritual yeah. disciplines aren't where they would hope it to be, but they're fine. Uh, how, what 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 advice would you tell them in terms of danger signs or warning signs or different things to watch out for that in that state for them that they should actually get soul care and, and to focus on soul soul care there so that they don't flame out? Yeah, I know that's my heart. Is I want I want to normalize that kind of help I'm talking about. That it's not just for people who crash and burn. Yeah, this yeah. this should be normal. This has been normal throughout the historic church. We've just sort of lost sight of it, um, but it's it's nothing new. It's it's just a, a core um, conviction that we want to enter into our life and leadership from a place of overflow, not from deficit. And mm. um, yeah, I don't I don't think it's inherently new, uh, but. One of the exercises that I do uh, with groups, and I've done this truly in so many different theological contexts, so many different places around the world, um, I ask people to think about and reflect on their symptoms of their soul. What what are the current symptoms of their soul? Your soul is alive. It, it gives off symptoms. And yes, even saved, it can be having a condition of relatively healthy or or not so much. So when people consider in what of the groups that I've worked with, you know, again, over years, often the symptoms of soul neglect will emerge as things like, you know, this, this fatigue that won't go away, the kind of uh, insomnia or other physical symptoms, which I had vertigo and, and other things like that muscle tightness and digestive issues. 
Um, other things can be relational where we start to isolate or um, have undue levels of, of fear or even panic and um, anger. A lot of anger shows up. You know, anger is a normal human emotion. There's nothing, nothing, you know, God is fully righteous and God experiences anger. But when we're becoming an angry kind of person, that's something that our spouses and our kids and our coworkers for sure know whether or not we acknowledge it. And these are the kind of symptoms, and there's many more, that can precede or be indicators that maybe we can sing it is well with my soul on a Sunday morning, but it at some level is not really well with your soul. And the flip side of the exercise is actually quite um, compelling. And people can kind of even do this as they're listening if they're interested. It's like to, I love asking people to go back and think of a season in their relationship with God where the sense of connection with God was just really strong. It could have been well supported by spiritual practices and things like that. Or it could have been a season when like literally all hell is breaking loose. The wheels are coming off. There's no kind of rhyme or reason. But somehow in the midst of that, they knew that they knew that they knew that God was with them and that God was for them. And then I asked them to think and reflect and usually to write down, you know, what flowed out of you in that season? What kind of a person were you? And what emerges then when I pull that back up to the front of the group and kind of write it all down on a, on a sheet of paper uh, so everyone can see is just the exact opposite of that other list. It's people feeling energy. They have healthy boundaries. They have a joy or a peace, even when circumstances were quite difficult. Uh, they are more generous. They're more giving. They are more alert to their own needs. You know, one guy, one pastor said, one of the symptoms for me when, when I'm connected to God in that way is I, I, my hair doesn't get too long. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, what? That's and he said, I just tend to have time to take care of the basic things of life more than when I'm not in a good place. And it's it's those kinds of things, uh, Daniel, that I, I love to imagine that there is a, a time, maybe not that far in the future, when pastors and leaders are more alert to the symptoms going on in their life and then rather than trying to stomp out the discomfort of that particular symptom or strong arm themselves into go get a haircut, they actually can have a pause and a new thought. How am I connecting with God right now, right here? And what would help me restore that point of connection? Which, if you think about it, is really the essence of what Jesus left us with as this enduring metaphor in John 15. That yeah everything would hinge on a real time connection like a vine and a branch. Anyway, that, that, that's, um, that's why that, that we're looking to develop. We have, my team has been developing a, out of that exercise that I've been doing for so many years, uh, an actual assessment, self-assessment that people can take and just kind of get a, a snapshot, a point of time. How is it with my soul today? Um, so that's, that's been fun to, to pull that together. You know, I, I think it's, uh, it's so important, you know, over the years, uh, we talk about assessments on here all the time. Usually those are personality assessments or we'll talk about emotional intelligence, you know, and a big part of that is 
is, of course, self-awareness. And there are people that think that they're self-aware, and yet it takes something like that assessment to reveal that. Mm. Um, so I would really encourage people to take that self-spiritual assessment mm. um, to really understand, you know, wh- where they currently are so that they can, because we're, we're often blinded if we're in an unhealthy spot, mm-hmm. we don't well, even know it. And we're so prone to self-deception and we often, when we're unhealthy, we have huge resistance to God and to God's love. And, um, you know, you can be checking all the boxes of, oh, I did a 45 minute quiet time and I memorized John, you know, 1010 and I did this and this and this. And uh, sadly, what's true about the human soul is you can, you can blow through a 45 minute quiet time and never actually, actually, actually connect with God. It's interesting because, you know, a lot of times we would say uh, you're either disciplined or you're distracted. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case here. You sometimes can be distracted by discipline. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I believe that's I believe that's the case. And I, I think when we satisfy our definitions of whether or not you've checked these boxes rather than actually how are you, um, you know, when we confuse those two, then especially uh, us high achieving types, right? Then I just want to go check more boxes. And right. yet the deeper work of the soul is often like, it's just messier. It's got mystery. It's like ugly and confusing. And, you know, it's like yeah. the antithesis of the kind of control we're used to and we're used to depending on. So it's, it's a whole different gear. And I recommend it highly <laughs> in <Yeah>. his life. <laughs> so, so Mindy, um, I just, before I ask this next question, uh, because I, I, I do want to ask you a question about uh, advice that you'd give a lead pastor then mm. who is saying, okay, the culture at our church is perform, go, mm-hmm. do everything up and to the right. Mm-hmm. Yet they're being convicted by this and they want to know how do we then as a, you know, as a, as a lead pastor, institute a culture where this is where soul care is normal mm-hmm. and people don't look at me like I don't care about metrics anymore. And, right. and you know, th- th- that, that whole idea or that I've kind of gone off the, the deep end. How do you, h- how, what advice would you give a lead pastor on that? But before you give us that advice, you talked about the soul care, this assessment, is that something that our listeners can do? And yes. if so where? Yes, 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 yes. They can text. This is a brand new fun thing. So, uh, they can text the word soul care, all one word, to the number 474747. Okay, cool. Text soul care to 474747. And, and uh, that'll sort of drop that. them into a, an experience where they'll uh, be able to do that. So, okay, perfect. Yeah, my, my advice to somebody who's right in the thick of that is first of all, um, you're not alone, you're not crazy. And there are a lot of other leaders who are having similar kind of moments of recognizing, gosh, is it possible that I could gain the whole world and in this case, build a big successful church and forfeit my soul? We don't usually think of Jesus's words in Matthew 16 along those lines, but in fact, he Mm -hmm. was talking to his disciples and that potential absolutely exists. 
And so you're not crazy. You're not alone. More people are, are, are coming to an awareness and a, frankly, a deep resolve to stop living in insanity. Now the, I don't remember the rest of your question, but yeah, like how do you lead a church person about metrics and, and those kinds of things? Yeah. Like how do you, what advice would you give the lead pastor saying, okay, this is great, but how does, how does that affect how I lead the staff? Right. I right. mean, does that mean we spend our day every morning in an hour of prayer? Uh, does that you know mean that's our... what Gary Haugen does at, uh, yeah. <laughs> at IJM, right? Yeah. I, I, I think, I think the, before the tactical implementation, and first of all, I just, I, I love the idea of pressing leaders into a discernment process. I don't, I don't think there's a one size fits all in the answer of what you should do. That's what Gary discerned on the basis of his uh, spiritual, um, what did he call it? An audit, a spiritual audit that he had done um, yeah. five years on uh, in, in IJM's history. And, you know, I think God is wildly creative and personally knows both you and your entire team and will understand how to meaningfully intersect that. But the first thing, the first domino that has to fall is a deep resolve on the part of the senior leadership to say, okay, we're done burning people out while they're inviting people into a life that they themselves are not living. Like, let's just start there. Let's decide that we're done with that. And then let's go into a bit of a process and maybe we have to experiment. Maybe we try what Gary did. Maybe we try something else. But I think that the resolve to say, uh, you know, it's kind of a swan dive. It's like, I'm not living this way anymore. And I don't really know what's at the bottom of this cliff, but um, this is a better kind of cliff. Um, mm. but, but directionally, I'm committed. And then we can figure out the details. And so... Um, there's lots of ideas. Soul Care can help you with ideas. There's lots of ideas of ways to do that with your staff team time, with uh, surrounding again. There's a church that our organization is coming alongside with spiritual direction and coaching and to provide some of those personal journeying things to them as a church. Uh, so there are ways to, to do that kind of stuff. Um, there's ways to hold in prayer, uh, each other and the, the work we're doing, which, you know, the nose and tail prayers, we all know what those are, but like, how do we, how do we start, um, drifting into, which, you know, you don't, uh, you don't drift without intentionality, but how, how do we start drifting in a different direction? Um, yeah. maybe slowly, maybe dramatically. Um, but the resolve is the biggest piece, you know, Dallas Willard used to talk about, the change in order for change to take place, you need three ingredients. You need vision, you need intention, and then you need means. And the vision is like, what kind of life do we want to have together? What kind of experience do we want ourselves and our staff to have being a worker in this environment? What kind of people are we becoming because we work here? That's the vision. And the intention really kind of becomes more and more an easy step once that vision is quite clear. We want this to be a place where our staff flourishes, that they are living and leading out of the fullness of what God's doing in them. It's not that there won't be sacrifice. It's not that there won't be difficulty. This is not the easy path, but this is the path where there is life. And the means is the third portion of that sort of trifecta. And it, it, they are 
they are essential eventually, but they are not the driver. And too often we try to start with the means and drive ourselves Mm. toward the vision. And I would just challenge pastors, you know, this is what you're great at. You're great at casting vision. So give yourself a good long sit with God and say, what do you want the vision of our people's life with you to be like while we're serving in your name? And see what happens. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, now, this is a question that our listeners are used to us asking, but the ones that are have been paying attention so far are, like, really, really keying in on this question now because normally we always give the caveat of, hey, other than the spiritual disciplines, what are one or two things that you have to do every day to stay sharp as a leader? Hmm. However, I would expect us to be listening a little bit differently <laughs> mm-hmm. given what the the content that we've covered so far. So how would you answer that question? Yeah. Well, and I like that that you asked it what are one or two things in order to um to be maximizing your role as a leader, whatever your words were, they were better than that. Um and and I would say Probably, and it is a, a practice, as all of these are, um, but for me, starting my day at some level with some dimension, so I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be rigid on this, but some dimension of just being with God in silence and some very <laughs> intentional mechanism of surrender. And I... I, I think about it almost like a daily prayer of surrender. And you guys, I think this is vital for us as leaders because, you know, I mean, leadership is all about, you know, getting as much clarity as you can about what's next and how to motivate people to go there. And those are all good. That's part of your gifting. Mm-hmm. But for us to, on a daily basis, maybe use the Lord's prayer sort of as a jumping point for almost to me, it sometimes feels very transactional. Like, God, I surrender me and my gifts, my passions to you today. I am being led by you. And um, the, the, those those are two things that, uh, you know, sometimes I remember first thing before I've even woken up out of bed and I'm just like laying there and just saying, God, I want to give this day to you. And, um, and then sometimes it's, you know, at four o'clock while I'm driving between meetings, I remember, yeah. oh, it's right. I'm supposed to do my daily prayer of surrender, but it's okay. It's not about, it's, it's again, it's about the intentionality, not about any rigidity in, in the form of the practice, but, um, silence and surrender are, are two things for me. Um, and then if I could add another one, that's not as daily, except sometimes, Um, how does that sound for a not very rigid practice? (laughs) This is more something that as a mom and now with my grown kids, um, I, I found it really important when my boys were teenagers that I had a, it really became a spiritual practice of carpe teenager. And by that, I meant, uh, I I felt this, you know, like, like oil through your hands, like trying to grasp oil in your hands is mm. you know, to, to capture time or whatever. Yeah. And I felt like time with my boys when they were in that season was like that. Like I could almost feel that. And I just decided I had a, I had a, a spiritual practice of carpe teenager, which meant seize the teenager, seize the day, seize the teenager. 
And if my boys wanted to go see, you know, blow them up Transformer movies at midnight releases, my answer was yes. If they wanted to eat brownies at, you know, 1030 at night, my answer was yes. And now they're all gone. And so it's a bittersweet spiritual practice for me. Um, But there's a new one I have that I thought I would share with your listeners so they don't think I'm all that totally serious. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) my new spiritual practice that's in that category is Carpe Puppy. And what I mean by that is when I'm walking around, everybody at the office here knows this about me. It's like, if we're walking past and particularly a puppy, like, and, and all my learnings from Jim Wilder actually reinforce this. It's like, you got to give your brain the, the dopamine rush. You've got to, you've got to give yourself the things that, that just spark joy. They're just little tiny things, but I'm sorry, any puppy is going to spark joy. That's just how they are. And that may sound like very, very, uh, you know, (laughs) the exact opposite of somber and staid spiritual practices, but they are practices in that it's about like not taking yourself too seriously. Um, It's about, I guess, in the same way that a Sabbath or a tithe is an acknowledgement that everything I have is a gift and I'm not, I'm not securing my own well-being here in this world and I get to stop and pet the puppies. Mm. Um, so it's it's been a, a more important spiritual practice than I probably realized, but hopefully Richard Foster won't listen to this and like never talk to me again. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mindy, I'm glad you said carpe puppy rather than carpe kitten because yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, more, we're more dog people. Dog friendly on this yes, podcast. Exactly. All Even right. Though Daniel's dog barely qualifies as hey, a dog. Hey, hey, don't even. <laughs> you know how many dogs other people have bought because they watched my dog Teddy? Uh, my uh, dog's just, incredible. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I don't pass. I don't and I don't hunt and all that stuff. So I was on the flight okay. home last night from Atlanta and um, in the in the I was on the front seat in, you know, southwest. So I'm sitting in that front row. And a woman comes and sits at the window seat next to me with this big, beautiful, year and a half old golden retriever. And you guys, this thing, it was big and beautiful and still like a little puppy. He laid his head on my foot the entire flight and just was so snuggly. And it was just like this wink from God, like, okay, let's Mm. just, let's just snuggle with a puppy the whole two and a half, three hour flight home. It was really delightful. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was in seminary and studying my memorizing my Greek words and everything. Our puppy was our our dog was a puppy. I was under your a year old, and he would just sit on my lap. And he mm-hmm. was he's a Bichon Maltese, so he's a really tiny at that point. But he would literally just sleep on my lap while I'm memorizing Greek words in Montreal. So I don't know. Yeah. I think there's something Puppies there, man. Great. <laughs> okay. All right. So before uh, Todd goes too crazy, because he's like, that's not what dogs are supposed to do. Let's hear a quick <laughs> word from our sponsor and we will get into the next question. What guides your core beliefs? Are they founded upon solid truth or are they based on others' opinions or your own emotions? What you believe about your purpose and value affects almost every area of your life. 
and this is the premise of the new film Overcomer in theaters August 23rd. It's the latest from the Kendrick brothers, makers of Courageous, War Room, and others. This movie has inspired the creation of several resources. For small groups, there is the Overcomer Bible Study. For individuals, there's a book called Defined, and both are based upon powerful insights from the book of Ephesians. You can learn more about all the resources at lifeway.com slash overcomer. All right, Mindy. So let's talk about your home. What does leadership in the home look like? For us, um, as I mentioned, my, our boys are are grown at this point, but it started when they were in those uh, teenage years. For us, the um, the way I would say leadership gets expressed is the posture of kind of openness and community and hospitality that our home has been now known for many years. Uh, we often have other millennial age uh, people, uh, young young folks um, living with us as they're transitioning from one season of life to the next. And we have a big dream, even as a family, um, our grown sons, two of them are married. Um, one is still quite eligible, ladies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's in no rush, nice. nor are we, but he is yeah. a pretty awesome guy. Um, but the, anyway, all three of them and then the two uh, daughters in love that we have are just incredible. And we all share this vision for place and creating space for community, for authenticity, for for just welcome and rest. And whether it's, you know, Lord willing, someday we're going to have like a, a, a soul care ranch or something out here in Colorado where people can, can, can come and find some rest, reconnect uh, in whatever way they need. We, uh, again, Lord willing, we're talking really seriously about a partnership with Young Life college here in in all of young life in the boulder area which has a really strong decades-long history here and so for us home and leadership there is really about how is what god has done in our home which has had a a lot of healing we we won't get into all that here but um, it wasn't always sunshine and roses under the caliguire roof and we have uh, we have seen God deeply transform many of the relationships and trajectories, and a lot of it came about because of place and this posture of hospitality. and And so we we want to steward that well and figure out how we can extend that into the world because we believe that a lot of people are really longing for a sense of home uh, where they're really not performing. They're okay to just come as they are, be messy, be in process, melt down if they need to, you know, or, or, or just be. And so we want to, we want to provide that kind of extension of that community and place um, through our home. Uh, My husband and I are completely aligned on this and the boys, it's really been fun to see it come together as a a vision that we share as a family. Love that. So if you kind of go back in time or if you're talking to your children, like what would you tell your 20 year old self about preparing to lead? I think for me, I didn't really see myself as a leader then. Um, But if I had learned sooner how to speak from my deeper self, um, that 
that would have been encouragement that I probably could have received and, and put into motion. And there was kind of like two dimensions to that. I think one is that I, I would have, I wished sooner on, I had learned how to listen to my own thoughts and perspectives of things. I found myself uh, censoring my own point of view a lot and thinking, well, who am I to contribute? What do I have to offer? And not only knowing what my own thoughts were, but then also to learn sooner. I wish I'd learned sooner to, in moments of conflict or decision, whatever, to lean into those spiritual practices of like kind of dialing in to God. Like what, what is your thought spirit on, on this conversation? How do you want me to move into this? So sort of operating and, and speaking from that deeper, deeper place, um, I, I would have told that younger self. And then I think secondarily, and I think this is, you know, it seems to be according to the data, something a lot of women deal with in, in being brought into leadership, but probably many other people as well. Um, but it was many other genders. There's only one, but, um, many, (laughs) you know, for many women, this will be true. Uh, and it's, it's really to not wait to be asked and that if God has you at the table, if God has you in the conversation, um, it is your way of serving to contribute um, to the conversation. And it's not like you need to keep waiting. And I think that's what good girls do is they wait to be asked. And I have found that I have not aided the leadership circles I was in by by holding that posture. And I, I wish I had been able to frame it in a, in a, in the context I'm suggesting that, you know, it is of, you are of service to the organization and the vision that you care about to speak up. It is not, it is not, you're not speaking out of turn. You're not being rude. You're not, you're not being presumptive. Just join that conversation. And that takes a little bit of risk. Um, but I wish I had known that because I honestly, there are still days that I find myself doing that. And it's like, come on, <laughs> grow up, Mindy. Come on. <laughs> mm. So is that just a reminder then? Or how, how do you remind yourself to do that? I've gotten better at noticing when I'm okay. thinking something that I'm not speaking. Okay. And when I find that I'm having a thought and I, I'm censoring it for some reason, I'm, I'm better at quicker to call that into question. And, you know, over time, you just, you just lean into, um, like the last time I did this, everybody rallied and we, good progress was made. So you just kind of learn by doing, but I do find myself doing it still. And for me, it's, it's when I find a thought that just keeps like knocking on the door of my head and it's like, okay, you need to speak out on this. And that, that's kind of practically speaking, how, how I catch myself and, and keep risking, which, uh, which I'm still trying to do. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Well, Mindy, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Where can people connect with you if they want to learn more about soul care and, um, it's texting soul care to four, seven, four, seven, four, seven. Yep. Uh, But where can they learn more about you and yeah. Yeah. That, and there is a website, soulcare.com. So you, okay. you know, love to have you guys go there and, uh, you know, surf around, send us a note, sign up for anything that's of interest to you. We've got a couple free book, uh, downloads that are like little mini books, one on journaling and one on the, 
bigger, more strategic topic of transformation in the church. So both of those are available. And then, um, yeah, I track with the, with where glue's headed too. It's a really, um, compelling vision and it's just glue G L O O dot U S and our team is really focused in this next season around helping churches with growth journeys and helping people get on personalized growth plans and really exciting stuff that we're in the early stages of figuring out how do you actually write software to support this kind of stuff. So it's fun stuff. That's so great. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks, Mindy. Godspeed, guys. Thanks for your time. I appreciate the invite. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed that episode with Mindy. Todd and I are also on the New Churches Q&A podcast. New churches. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's secretly, too. we have, we do have maybe more fun there. We do have a lot of fun. Well, it's just, it's just us, right? Yeah. So once a week, it's you and I, we the other time a week, it's other. Ed and I, and it's very different episodes. Actually, a lot of listeners will pick and choose which ones to listen to. Yeah. Probably because we have over 400 episodes, so... <laughs> We but either have good. like the diehard. One thing that's really practical. Yes. Yeah, we do have some diehard people. Yeah. I meet those people from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. So if you check out the New Churches Q&A podcast, you can look it up on your favorite podcasting app and you'll actually see the episodes are titled by topic. So you'll find one that says the temptations of a permanent location, right? Or another one that says how to start a leadership pipeline in your church. Or another one about how to, or what happens when a mega church moves into your neighborhood. Dum, dum, so, dum. <laughs> so just look up the New Churches Q&A podcast. That's two words, New Churches, on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. We'll catch you guys next time.